Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. All ministers and officials should now go to Case Orange. Repeat, this is an official colonial government broadcast. Do it, baby. What? More Battlestar Galacticast? As you wish, goddammit. <laughs> we are on! Welcome to a new episode of Battlestar Galacticast. I am Trisha Helfer. I am not. I am Mark Bernard. <laughs> and I feel great. <laughs> you may have lost your mind. It's entirely possible. I might have misplaced my brain. But uh, no, it's all good. It's, it's a, all good. Yes. Welcome back to another fancy ass episode. Brought to you by Sci-Fi Wire. Indeed. Um, how you doing, Trisha? I'm doing fantastic. You know, you you sell that in such a in, in a completely authentic way. <laughs> Do I sound the same every podcast? <laughs> no, you put an extra little extra sauce on that one. Mm. I, yeah, I've got a little extra sauce making me feel fantastic yeah, lately. She's feeling a little saucy. A little saucy. A little saucy and sassy. Yeah. Like the good Southern Canadian belle that you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm well, am I Southern Canadian? No, probably not. I'm more Central Canadian. Central Canadian. I'm about halfway, like eight, ten hours from the border. Okay. Well, it's south of something. True. <laughs> Everything is south of something. It is. Except for the North Pole. <laughs> and nobody's from there. No. Nobody's. <laughs> Increasingly less so. <laughs> oh, sorry. Don't mean to harsh anybody's awesome captain's hand vibe. Um, yeah. What? What's the... Bri- but previously on, previously uh, on previously Battlestar on, Galactic, on sacrifice. sacrifice. We had uh, we had sweet ass Paul Campbell stop by, and uh, and tell us various tales of chicanery and joy and mirth um, and death and death because mm-hmm. poor Billy Kakaya uh, was shot in the chest. Um, protecting the woman he loved. Protecting the woman who loved, he did not love him back. Yes. Which, you know, if there's ever a better metaphor for high school, I don't know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> and he looks like he's in high school. And he looks like he's so. in high school. So um, he's like, you know, 17 years old, barely. Exactly. Um, and we had a terrorist plot. We had a whole hostage thing uh, led by Dana Delaney, who played a character whose name will just be uh, Dana Delaney. Sasha Avenel. Yeah. Nope. Dana Delaney. <laughs> Always. All caps. Dana Delaney. Um, so, yes, we, we bid farewell to uh, who was previously a very important character. Yes. Um, though um, Paul didn't quite see it that way, or at least wasn't led to believe that Billy was as integral to the story as he actually was. Um, and we discovered, we will discover what his integrality was going to be. None of those are words. Um if we pay close attention to what the Tory storyline was going to be uh, and is and was. And uh, yes, Tory Rekha Sharma is introduced yes, in the Rekha captain's Sharma hand as as uh, as Roslyn's sort of campaign manager. Mm-hmm. 
who, uh, who, if you've seen the show, you know that Tori has quite a bit of story ahead of her, quite a few t- twists and turns. We're not going to spoil them, um, you know, because there are, there are still some of you who haven't seen the Battlestar Galactica yet. And so let's let, let you guys have some, some wonder and joy. Until halfway through the episode. Yeah, anyway. we'll tell you if I can spoil it. You know, or until next time we get Rekka back on, and then she yes. will spoil it. She comes in definitely like, you know, unlike Billy, who was a little bit more, um, well, also just been through the attack mm-hmm. a little bit, learning his, he was always very attentive, but yes. he was learning on the job, as was Roslyn. And, and Tori comes in a little bit more uh, polished, yeah, so to speak, she, off the She top. seems to be a political operative um, who is who is well worn in the the art of campaigning and talks about like polls she's conducted for X, Y, and Z, and she's a professional in a way that nobody else was a professional. And it's almost a wonder that it took them so long to find a top flight political <laughs> who just happened to survive the apocalypse. You know, maybe hanging out with all of the press on uh, cloud nine. Right? <laughs> like, what were you doing before now? If you're really good at this, weren't you part of the press corps? I mean, yeah, you were. You were polling. Why we have so many press <laughs> journalists? So just conducting rando polls in the middle of the fleet. Like maybe you should go help that lady run for president. Yes. Um, well, this is a few weeks. So it's directed by Jeff, or written by Jeff Flaming, and yes. directed by Sergio Mimica Gazan. Sergio Mimic. Mimica Mimic. Mimic. There's an A. There's an A. I'm missing the A in my scraggly notes. Mimica goes on. And there's been a few weeks time lapse, lapse since sacrifice. And so Apollo's gunshot is reco- he's recovering. Right. He is up on his feet and he's moving and, you know, he'll take his shirt off because it seems like contractually obligated that he's got to take his shirt off and you get to see the the wound making its uh, it's it's hastily recovered. And he's happens to be recovering with mm. a certain indeed it seems as if perhaps um doc Cottles prescribed a very uh, interesting method of recuperation for young Leodama, which is uh knocking boots with duala um in a bunk which doesn't seem super comfortable no no like they got to put a pipe in the door so nobody comes in and like it's I mean, you're a freaking major, damn it. Like, <laughs> you ought to rate your own quarters by now. You'd think. Yes. Not having to, to bunk with everybody else. Um, but we, yes, we open, we open the episode, uh, ironically. Maybe not ironically. <laughs> yes, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> you guys, you call me on a weird day. Um, we open the episode uh, with the new commander of the Pegasus. A uh, commander Garner, who yes. uh, played by uh, the great and wonderful and sadly late John Hurd, who you may have recognized as like the dad from Home Alone, who thirty years hence uh, is now commander of a Battlestar, Battlestar Pegasus, um, and uh, and there's a Raptor training mission that kind of goes awry. They lose two Raptors out in the middle of nowhere. They, there's some signal disturbance and signal disruption, and then just two Raptors are gone. And, yes, uh, and, and, and and yeah, signal disruption exactly. Right. You can't exactly hear what they said. That's what signal disruption means, right? I'm just gonna stop talking now. Nah, I man, you keep going. You got this. Look, here is Lee. He's got no clothes on because he has to do that. He hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> just look at me. Huh? I mean, that's a pretty intense wound. I think a couple of weeks that doesn't heal where you can actually be banging boots with somebody in a you bunk. Know, it depends moving on around. It depends on your style of banging. I like, mean, it's not like <laughs> Grant. Granted, that correct. I mean, maybe she was doing all the work. I mean, it, she but, she could be very enthusiastic, and he could just be kind of like enjoying the ride. Yeah, could be. Could be. I, I think I, I'm I, not speculating. Early days, anyway. Yeah. 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 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know how enthusiastic a lover Liadama actually is. We've never been granted any sense of context for... We have not. No. I mean, Starbuck, the little brief thing that he had with Starbuck, she was going too rough for him. Remember? Yeah. A couple like episodes. He, he or seems it? maybe a gentle bit of a dove. Yeah. Um, you know, not that much of a swordsman, it would seem. <laughs> <laughs> we got to have Jamie Bamber on to like dispute this. To, to defend what this. What kind of lover was Apollo, Jamie? What do you think? <laughs> was, was he enthusiastic? Was he sedentary? <laughs> was he risky? Yeah. Was he just like, like you'd imagine McConaughey is? You know, just like, whatever happens, happens. I don't know. I got these here bongos and this giant keep bowl of weed. Keep living. Isn't that J- his tag? J.K. Living. J.K. Living. Just, <laughs> just keep, keep living. living. All right, all right, right all, all right. right. <laughs> Man, we have veered so wildly off the track three minutes into this podcast. <laughs> well, you know what? Um, Chief's flashlight is going to bring us back. Because guess what he's going to find? Yes, he's an investigative lover. <laughs> <laughs> he's poking in the dark with his flashlight. I'm going to find something in here. <laughs> Just you wait. Oh, oh it's, it's a, a woman. girl. <laughs> Good for you, Chief. And then, lo and behold, somebody's already found her. Somebody has investigative loved this poor woman. Yes. Um, Much to the dismay of um, this young Gemini woman. Gemini's woman. I think it's the first time. There's there's a couple of like first time colloquialisms or coinages we get in this episode that we will never hear again. Yes. Um, Gemini's is the first time we've been... Referring to people from Gemini, even though Gemini is not a place you're from anymore, because it, I mean, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, it seems like they're still keeping, they're still keeping those kind of, um, right, ba- not barriers, but um, sort of designations, designations, and yes, classifications thank you. or whatever. Um, and then we're referring to Galactica as the beast and Pegasus. No, no, no. The, the belly Pegasus, of the beast is Pegasus. Yeah. Be- Pegasus or, is the beast. Yeah. And Galactica is the, the bucket, bucket, which we will never hear again. <laughs> we hear it in this episode oh, yeah, a few yeah. times about the beast. No, they're all about that. And then it just vanishes from the show because I'm sure somebody was like, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Not nearly as cool as we thought it was going to be. No. Moving on. Pegasus sounds a lot better. Seriously. Pegasus, perfectly good names. Way more badass than Beast in the Bucket. <laughs> for a thing you love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, ladies and gentlemen, if you ever fall in love with some somebody, um, even as a term of endearment, don't ever call them the bucket. No. They won't like that. That will go poorly for you. Yeah. There will be no more enthusiastic or investigative love at all if you call said person a bucket. (laughs) (laughs) A bucket of what? Yeah. Nothing good. Other than like fried chicken, nothing good comes in a bucket. (laughs) Well, you know, KFC is now doing beyond chicken McNuggets. So that. See? That comes in a bucket. Have you have you had it? No. Are you gonna? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. I've been a long time to get back into that KFC life. <laughs> Give me some of that Beyond Chicken, yo. Uh, I, uh, I, it, it may not be a thing by the time this podcast comes out, but I did stand in line for almost an hour to get a Popeye's chicken sandwich. I saw your post. Yes. You said it was very good. Outstanding. 
I'm not sure if it's worth like gas level lines, like there's some shortage of chicken somewhere and you might have to duke it out with some dude over a sandwich, mm-hmm. but, uh, but it was pretty good. But you enjoyed it? I really did. Cause yeah, it's not beyond anything. It is just chicken. <laughs> <laughs> really good chicken. Um, anyway. Anyway. So yes. Uh, young, I don't like Garner in this. No, because Garner, Garner is, I mean, he was an engineer who mm-hmm. gets promoted. He was like, I guess he was basically Chief Tyrrell. He was the highest ranking sort of civilian um, officer on the Pegasus. And after they've gone through 98 different commanders, they're like, well, listen, he's all right. Try that guy. He knows how the ship works. He's been commanding people on on the deck. Let him do the job. But he has, as Adama, as Lee Adama will later say, he has no gift for people. And he expects everything to run like it's a machine. Right. He's used to machines, not right. um, commanding people. Yeah. And so, like, his, his biggest headache is um, a young Carathrace. Who I think is the CAG on Pegasus. It's unclear mm-hmm. exactly what her role is. She feels caggy. She does feel caggy, but then she's getting, he just keeps yelling at her. But he does, in Kara's defense, he does really nitpick and keep her out of the loop on things as well. Right. Where she can't really do her job if she is, if you're correct, and she is mm. CAG. Mm-hmm. Um, but regardless, even if she's just training pilots, it's, you yeah. still have to be kept in the loop. Like she wasn't aware that the two Raptors on the, on the, um, the training mission. The training mission had gone missing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's apparently has been made abundantly clear to every other pilot on Pegasus that nobody who's not a member of Pegasus's crew should be made aware of any flight operations or whatever. And she's also in her Starbuck way. She's probably also not paying that much attention. She's maybe drinking a little bit too much. She's, you know, on right. Pegasus without her group, with her, you know, people yeah. to hang with. So I like that uh, that Garner is very straight laced. And she is very not. And so this is an episode of Keggy and Lacey. <laughs> but um, bump. Oh, that was a long walk to get to that show. Oh, joke. yeah, uh, and, but it was good. I'm not sure if it was worth it, but, you know, sometimes you just, you got to go for a walk. Yeah. And you see what happens at the other end. Sometimes you crash. Some, oh, all I the mean, time. sometimes you trip and fall flat on your face. Yeah, sometimes. That was like a trip, and then you, you kind of caught yourself. There was just like, it, it wasn't, there was no flourish, there was no ta-da, but it was, I didn't like scrape, scrape my chin on the ground. No. From that one. Yeah, yeah, I feel I I can't say I feel good about it, but I don't feel bad either. I liked it. Okay, hey. So you know, sometimes that's all uh, all a fella needs is <laughs> just a little bit of reinforcement. Yeah. Um, but the biggest, I think, in this episode, the biggest uh, topic is more so not just about what's happening on the command on Pegasus, and is is the uh, this young Gemini's woman. Yes. And what imp- the implications come with that? Because the Geminis are uh, very religious mm-hmm. and abortion is, even though it's legal everywhere else within the, the Geminis or on Geminon, it mm-hmm. wasn't legal. Right. And so this is a, a, an issue that's facing Rosalind in a big, bad way because she's running for reelection. Um, she thinks she's running basically unopposed other than, let's say, you know, an ex-convict. Right. <laughs> who, has, who has his supporters. But at the same time, he's an ex terrorist right you know and and tory is like hey listen you've managed to walk a very fine line your presidential bid has both the support of the military and the civilian fleet and you've received enthusiastic endorsements from the gemini's religious leaders which comes from having been the prophet who leads the Mm -hmm. people to 
damned earth. Um, and she says it helps when your only real rival is a convicted terrorist. Um, but said convicted terrorist is now like, hey, I know that I can't really win. I can't never be the king, but I can be the king maker. And you know who I should get to run opposite her? Gaius Baltar. Because maybe the people might want the cold, uh, logical voice of science um, instead of what seems to be a administration that has been, at the very least, colored by lots of religious, faith-based yes. interplay. Yes, that, and at this point, Zarek doesn't know about the 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 issue that's going to be forthcoming that could potentially make the those on Geminon. Um, or disagree with the president mm-hmm. if she uh, remain if she keeps abortion legal she's going to lose that faction of people right right but Zarek doesn't know this at this point so he's just saying that there's I he goes I think there's more people that would choose science mm-hmm. over faith faith so yeah I'm gonna go with you but it kind of bites It'll, him in the butt in the end it, really it doesn't bite him in the butt but if no. he if he had known mm-hmm. That Rosalind was going to lose the port of the Gemini's. Do you think he would have also gone to Sarah or to I think Baltar? he might have stuck around. I think, I think might, so, right? I mean, just make guys Baltar your number two. Like, make him vice president again if you need that person to appeal to the science folk. But, like... I mean, it would still be a fight. Uh, it'd still be, you know, a lot in Rosalind's favor because he is a convicted terrorist. Mm-hmm. But it would have been a tougher fight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like... I do like it when this show sort of gets under the hood of, you know, what it must be like living in this fleet and what it must be like to have to be still on the run for your lives while trying to maintain a sense of normalcy. And part of that normalcy is the political process. Mm -hmm. And like, how does all of the sort of accumulated weight of the last year and a half of story affect what that election is going to look like? You know, what does... What does what does <laughs> <laughs> Rosalind almost having died and then survived and then leading people to find an arrow of Athena in the tomb of Apollo and like all of that stuff? How does that scratch that reverse it? Um, how does all of that then come to bear on on trying to win an election and and who your enemies are and who your friends are and all that stuff and it's it's fascinating and it's amazing how with everything that the hum- human race is going through mm-hmm. in these you know since the attack that. The smaller you'd think would be smaller decisions of everybody's personal opinions on things mm-hmm. that aren't well, I guess abortion is life or death mm. in you know in some ways, but in terms of of humanity, right, uh, all come to play in the election and in it, people don't lose their even in a they may lose it at, while an immediate attack is going on, mm-hmm. but how quickly people's differences start to filter back in and their differences of opinion. Yep. I kind of find that fascinating in, in this episode or, or some of the other episodes as well. Yeah. I don't know if I'm babbling or if I made myself. No, no, you're right. I like, made myself understood. Like there. all politics are personal politics and all politics are identity politics, which is not a bad phrase at all because your, your political viewpoint is vastly informed by who you are and mm-hmm. how you enter the world. And Rosalind enters the world as a woman who's been fighting for a woman's right to choose her entire career. You know, this young woman who's, you know, Gemini's and pregnant has, you know, lived her life as she has, you know, seen fit and finds herself in this position where she doesn't want a child, you know. And like, she doesn't want anyone to know that she's aborted the child because she will be ostracized and right. convicted as yeah. well. I mean, as as we are led to believe the Gemini's are a bit like, you know, Amish in suits, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like a little bit like religiously extreme. Um, 
not in a like we're going to stone somebody on the street, but you know, Rosalind is having this this scene with with Sarah, this Gemini's delegate. It was like that child is the property of her parents, you know, until she is of age, and like that's a pretty archaic draconian way of looking at the the adulthood or even the personhood of somebody who lives in that in that culture mm-hmm. yeah because the woman is not young we don't doesn't say how young she is right no i mean but she looks like she might be a late teenager maybe she's 17 18 19 years old but not like a 12 year old kid no I, it's funny because i i kind of took until you said that i kind of took her like early 20s mm. but she could she could be clearly, clearly be younger as well but it and probably with that statement that you made about um basically the parents own her until yeah it probably yeah. leads to the like, fact of her being a minor still until somebody shows up with a dowry and yeah. a bunch of sheep yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, we're going to take a quick break and we will come on back to talk about abortion on Battlestar Galactica. Yay! VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, so there, there's one of my favorite scenes in this episode. Yeah, really. Any scene where you get Laura Roslin and Bill Adama just sort of talking about the state of the world and the state of the fleet uh, is is just so juicy mm-hmm. and fun and lovely. And he just uses her own words back at her here. He really to, does. Like playing devil's advocate in many ways, right? Yeah. I mean, as as they're sitting on Colonial One and, she, and her head is right underneath the giant whiteboard with the number of the, the, the fleet population on it. He's like, I hate to say this because it's a political issue, but that number above your head doesn't go up very often. You know, it's like, I'm just remembering what you said after the silent attack. If we really want to save the human race, we better start having babies and like start making babies, start making babies. Um, and so it's it is not a cut and dry issue. It is not a legal versus illegal issue. It is not a moral versus immoral issue. It ultimately is a practical issue. It's a, exactly. It's a practical issue. And you uh, Rosalind struggles with it yeah because she like she said i've fought my life trying to protect women's rights and now i'm going to be the one that practically Mm. yes the decision would be you every child has to we have to try and yeah but there's there's we can't have any wasted babies here um oh i would not want to be in that decision no 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 it ain't good um 
But we then get to cut away from that and watch Kara Thrace doing her, uh, holding up her part of the Kagi and Lacey um, duo by doing a little investigative work. She's got the transcripts from the, the pilots who were on the missing Raptors. And because the signal was all screwy, like she's got fractions of words and she's trying to to figure out what happened to them. It's a bit like she's playing some kind of, you know, communicative Sudoku. (laughs) She's just like, is this the letter? How about this? This word could be distressed. Call, um, believe, or receive. Receive. Yay. Discret, distressed call. Yeah. Um, so she is putting together a theory as to what happened to those pilots and she brings it to uh, Major Adama who then brings it to Commander Garner who wants nothing to do with it simply because where it came from. He wants nothing to do with anything Starbucks says. Yeah. And to his, you know, to his extreme fault. Yeah. That you, okay, let let your feelings go aside on this one and at least hear them out. If both of them are saying this and then he doesn't even hear the evidence no if you saw that you saw her little Mm. investigative sudoku Mm. you look at that and you go oh that could very easily be what it's saying there totally yeah and you would think that you know garner coming from where he comes where he believes in machines and and numbers and facts and this wrench will open that nut because that's how that works he would at least listen to the data he would at least be like hey listen all right i'd don't like this lady at all. Tell me what this is and yeah. then make a judgment on it. But he And just, that's what really pissed me off about him yeah. was I don't care what you think about her. Yeah, she's a bit of a pain in the ass quite mm. often, but at least especially when you're talking about flying the, you know, the the sending more people to potentially danger and mm. especially when he I don't know if I'm jumping ahead. I am mm. jumping ahead. It's all good. Um, it's our podcast. We'll oh, do what we want. Exactly. It's going to happen in five <laughs> minutes anyway. Um, he goes against Adama's decision. Yeah. As well. So he just really is like not listening to anyone. He is not very smart. Um, but I think, you know, some of it is it's personal, not just against her, but against pilots in general. Like, yeah. you know, because he was an engineer, like, and there's, he refers to other engineers as snipes. Another thing we'll never hear again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, us snipes down there in the hold, like we do our job and then nobody's, nobody's, you know, pouring us beers in the, in the commissary. Like there's no glory for us. You know, Kareth Race gets all kinds of latitude because she's a fantastic pilot. I don't get any latitude for being a fantastic engineer. And so that sense of, of resentment, um, mm-hmm is never a thing like carrying it with you in any way is a bad idea, but carrying it with you over the people who you're supposed to have command um, feels incredibly short-sighted. And, you know, in a perfect world would have made him not possible to hold a job. Like a quick interview ought to tell you, it's like, oh yeah, no, that guy's got problems with people and uh, maybe not so much with the command. Maybe he should stay down. Yeah, you need to be in the basement, buddy. You need to be in the belly of the beast. Belly of the, you need to be in the belly of the beast. Yeah. <laughs> Way to bring it around. What? We did a thing. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Uh, yeah. So, hey, they send out another uh, raptor to see if they can find out what happened to the two lost raptors. And uh, and because nobody listened to Kara Thrace's uh advice that hey this might be a Cylon trap they send another one who guess what stumbles into <laughs> what might be a Cylon trap 
Because, yeah. Because it was a Cylon trap? Just saying. Totally is. Um, but, yeah, Garner still doesn't buy it. Um, and he wants to, like, spool up the FTLs. It's like, let's go get them. Let's, let's take the whole ship. It's like, oh, slow down, buddy. Right. You're putting the risk of everybody now. Yeah. Maybe you should, you know, get some authorization from on high. You, just because you're the commander doesn't mean that you get to do whatever you want to do if there's an admiral. And there is an admiral, and he's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to listen to me. I, I now do kind of want the, like, the Disney Channel show, Admiral Dad. Who <laughs> 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 oh, you did what? <laughs> You launched F-16s into Libya? Why? <laughs> I lost my baseball. <laughs> not again. I, I told you not to do that. Move the fourth fleet into the into the med. Damn it, Admiral Dad. You got to keep a lid on that kid. I know. He's precocious, that one. <laughs> Sorry. I just did a whole thing there. <laughs> Dear I Disney just, Channel. I let you go with you, it. I tried did. I tried to join in, but it's I right. was kind of not. I was Admiral Dadding. It's, yeah. it's, there's not a lot of purchase when you come to Admiral Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, on Admiral Dad. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Admiral Dad is on screen right now. <laughs> uh, Garner and, uh, and Major Lee Adama are trying to get permission to, you know, deal with their their missing raptors garner wants to jet the ship um lee says well it might be a cylon trap and uh the admiral's like well then don't jump the ship like send send a recon in force send a bunch of fucking raptors like send them all there see what's going on guess what doesn't happen nope nope Adama, Adama Lee gets uh, gets relieved mm-hmm. is that the right word yes you're done here sir you're done um. Meanwhile, look at the bridge on that ship. Like it's there's swivelly glass right? and stuff. There's a it's scene. It's shiny. It's super shiny. There's a scene when, like, early on, when Lee and Garner are like just chilling out, like, and there's leather couches. It's like Club Pegasus. Like, come on in, guys. <laughs> Bottle service. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be better than the bucket. It's clearly. I mean, the bucket has more character, though. Yes. Yeah. Well, now we discover. Um, we discover mm. that Baltar has already done the um, the, 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 the calculations and present course mm-hmm. at the present course, unless something is done, meaning Rosalind's decision here mm-hmm. e, the, in the next eight years, the human race will be extinct. Yeah, the, the population figures do not bode well if we stick to their guns of abortion is legal. Um, she's looking for any way out. And doesn't find a way. Because if, like she said, if this is, you know, job one, if Ford's job one is quality, then the fleet's job one is making more people in the fleet. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they can't do it if abortion remains legal. I mean, they got to find Earth at some point, though, or a habitable planet. Because if you keep having babies, your resources on the ships are going to be too, you're going to outgrow the ships. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But that's a long time in the future. <laughs> they got other problems. Um, <laughs> but yeah. And so Laura, President Roslin, like delivers a, a speech and, and makes a, a proclamation, an edict. You know, since assume I'll read it out loud now, you won't hear it because, you know, our man Alec will cut in the real speech because I, I would much rather listen to Mary say this anyway. <laughs> but I'm going to say. I want to hear it from you. Yeah, yeah. And I'll do it. I'll do it. Uh, should I do it in a funny accent? Sure. All right. Uh, all right, I'll try my best. Uh, foghorn Leghorn. 
<laughs> Not making it so that Alec can't cut away. <laughs> Since assuming the presidency, I've made it my mission, now you're here, to maintain the rights and freedoms we so enjoyed prior to the attack. One of these rights has now come into direct conflict. This is not quite Foghorn Lankhorn. It's gotten more like Baptist preacher. It is staying in. It is staying in. <laughs> All right. Oh. <clears throat> I've made it my mission to maintain the rights and freedoms that we so enjoyed prior to the attack. One of these rights has now come into direct conflict with the survival of the species. And now I find myself forced to make a difficult decision. The issue is stark. The fact is, if this civilization is to survive, we must, must repopulate the fleet. Therefore, I'm issuing an executive order. From this day forward, anyone seeking to interfere with the birth of a child, whether it be for mother or medical practitioner, shall be subject to criminal penalty. (laughs) I said, I said. (laughs) Very well done. Thank you. No, I'm really, I'm, uh, I think I missed my calling. Yeah. um, Yeah. Being like a bullshit basic cable preacher. It's good. They had a little trouble with the word criminal. I know. At the I, end. I, I stumbled on the criminal. Yeah. It was like criminal. criminal. Because um, like the cursor was in the way. So it looked like a D and not a C. So I'm like, criminal? That's not a word. That's not a word. <laughs> uh, uh, but Mary, I, I loved her performance in this because you could just, you could see the disgust of hearing what was coming out of her own mouth. Yeah. Like there's a in, moment where she chokes on it and yeah. you can literally just see her have it be a problem to say the words yeah. out loud in front of other people. Um, make Garner. the Geminis happy. Make the Geminis happy. And I'm sure uh, uh, many other people as well, but then make a lot of people really upset as well. Totally. And, but to also, like the, mainly for her, like to go against what her own moral fiber has been telling her entire yeah, life. For sure. Um, meanwhile, Garner, like a moron, has decided to ignore the Admiral's order and jumps the Pegasus. Um, to the the coordinates where that last raptor was um you know and there was a big fight on the bridge because lee is like i'm relieving you of command you're you're countermanding a direct order from a superior officer and uh and by rights and by according to the article blah 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 at the hoobity blah mm-hmm. um this is you you are relieved and uh it's one of those sort of tense standoffs where like the poor sergeant who's like i don't know who to listen to he's left to decide but he makes the wrong choice. He makes the wrong choice. And so Lee is, is confined to quarters as Garner jumps the ship in, discovers his missing raptors, and the pilots inside are all dead. And hey. Hey, and boom, in jumps. Yes, three Cylon base stars and a whole shit ton of vi- raiders and then nuclear alarms and everything is going poorly because you're not good at this, Commander Garner. You are not good at this. You left your kid home alone and now you left the fleet out to dry. You're not good at this. <laughs> and I, I did actually say that's a lot of three base ships, base stars, yeah, base stars, base ships, base stars, mm-hmm. um, all shooting at the Pegasus. Like in reality, the Pegasus would be gone. It's a lot of overkill. That's a lot of like, it's, I mean, those are nuclear bombs. They really are. So it just seemed like it was taking, sustaining a lot of damage to actually mm. still be somewhat functional. Although the FEL is is busted. Right. And Garner has to go save the day. And it's a newer ship than, than Galactic is. And so True. maybe the, the, the armor plating is thicker or whatever. But... It's gorgeous to look at, though. I mean, the 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 effects the effects work is always on the show. Just that standing, and even when you get little glimpses of, oh, look at the amount of damage the ship is probably taking. Just mm-hmm. look at all this stuff. And then once Kara finds herself in a ship, and then she's out doing awesome dogfight stuff. It's great. 
And there's a nice, the, the, the nice moment here is at the very least, Garner realizes his shortcomings. It's like they can't get the FTL on, on, online. There's a, there's a leak somewhere. I need to be down there. I need That's to be That's where, where my strength is. That's the only I can place maybe I can help do some out. good. Yeah. And Lee, he's like, you have the con. And Lee's like, I got the con. And there's that great sort of pullback shot to just show Lee sort of small and alone on the bridge. He's like, I have the con. I'm in command. Like, what am I supposed to do? Maybe do the thing with the thing. I wanted to be in command when we're not under attack. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is. Maybe let me get my feet wet first. Yeah, I didn't want the baptism by fire. I'm okay without the literal thing that I don't want. But then it shows that he really is. You know, uh, I can't speak today. Something of the job. He's up to the task. He is. He's equal and to he the task. makes good. He does make good decisions on the fly. He does. If it if it weren't for him, then Pegasus would not make it out of there. Spoiler: Pegasus makes it out of this thing alive. Sorry. Or for Garner. Or for Garner. He does come through because Garner Garner like pulls a Spock and like goes down into the engine room and sacrifices himself to save the ship, and it's a Spock move. A Spock move? Did you ever see uh, Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan? No. Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan is the best Star Trek movie because it's honestly the most like a TV episode. Um, but at the at the end of that particular movie, um, the Enterprise has been beaten all to shit. Um, Ricardo Montalban, playing uh, Khan, um, has them sort of like he's doing whatever blown up the Enterprise like 19 different ways and they're kind of like listing in space. Um, our heroes have managed to finally win the day, but they have to escape from this what's going to be like a sort of nuclear blast. But they don't have warp drive because the warp drive is offline. And so Spock takes it upon himself to like go down to the engine room um, without like a suit on or anything and go into like that antimatter chamber and like stick his hands down the belly of what is like some crazy warp core blood. Whatever it is, it's like super bad for you. It's like being exposed to like Chernobyl. Right. And so like sticks his hands in and like does the thing up on the bridge. Says, we have warp drives. Like, okay, hit it, punch it. And the Enterprise takes off, just barely outrunning the, the blast of this bomb. But then once they're clear, it's the like, uh, Captain Kirk, you need to come down here. And so he like, it's, and he looks over and he sees Spock's seat is empty. And he's like, oh shit. And so he like races down to the, to the engine room and Spock is trapped inside like this sort of engine cabinet. Like his face is all fucked up from like radiation burns. And then you have this great sort of speech where he says, you know, the, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And it's like, this is, this was the only way out. And so that is exactly what Garner is doing is the, I can't, you know, I can't do any good up here. I got to go down there. They're running out of oxygen. You can't go in there. You'll, you'll run out of air and you'll mm-hmm. die. It's like, I have to go because I have to save the ship. And, and, and in, in, in way with him, as opposed to Spock, Spock didn't cause that. Right. Right. No. With Garner in many ways, he did cause this. Totally. And so is it also like, does he, does he choose to do it because he can and doesn't want the, like it's a way to save face or save um, his, I'm not save himself, obviously, but if he doesn't, then he's the coward that, that mm. made the wrong decision and put everybody in jeopardy, but also didn't sacrifice himself to save the day. Or, you know, it, what I'm yeah. trying to say is like, does he do it more to save his memory or to actually I, do more like a Spock thing of like, I, I, I think it's less calculated than that. I think it's literally, 
I know how to fix this problem. I can't fix the people problem. I don't understand how people work. I understand that I have these misgivings and shortcomings. Here's a thing that I can actually do. And maybe it's the one good thing that I will actually be able to do in all of this. And Almost it, relieving to him then in a way. Totally. Because like it puts I found him, a he was out solve. of his wheelhouse where he's like uncomfortable and lashing mm. out. And now he's like, I get this. I understand this. I can help. Right. Here's a problem I can solve. I can't solve any of these people problems because they're too freaking complex and arbitrary and, and swayed by emotion in ways that I can't wrap my head around. But that thing, I can do that. Um, and it is, you know, as, as we would later get, you know, like you were far kinder to Garner in your after action report than mm-hmm. say Kara Thrace was. And it's like, well, you know, he wasn't a bad man. He was just a bad commander. Um, as a man, he was as all of us are like a little bit weak, a little bit prideful, a little bit, you know, short sighted, but as an engineer, he saved the ship. Like right. if, if not for that guy, none of us come back. Yeah. So thanks commander Garner for, uh, not being entirely pointless. <laughs> yes. Um, so Aww. yeah. And Lee. You now know. I kind of like Garner. I didn't like him to begin with. Yeah. I mean, he's, that's the show. And the show finds a way to make you like people you didn't like and don't like people you do. Mm-hmm. It twists with your brain. Because we're all complex. We are all complex. We're all multifaceted onions of people. <laughs> we have layers. We have layers. Not like pie, which only has two layers. There's like top crust and then pie and then bottom crust. And sometimes can get soggy on the bottom. Nobody needs a soggy bottom. No. Oh. I've been watching lots of Great British Baking Show. Have you ever seen the Great British Baking no. Show? No. Oh, Trisha, we should do a podcast just about the Great British Baking Show. <laughs> it is. It if you're ever having a day where you're like, listen, the world is super freaking stressful, mm-hmm. and like the news is awful, and you know whatever's happening over there is god awful. The Amazon's on fire. Everything's on fire. You're like, I just wish that I could just somehow just find a warm bath of reality to just sink myself in. Great British Baking Show is on Netflix. There's like nine seasons of it. And it is all about like the nicest, tweeest British people competing in a tent to bake things. Not for money. There's no prize money at the end of this. They just want to be really good bakers. And like... It's actually a baking show? Or it's a show about... A baking show. No, it's it's, it's not like a Larry Sanders. No, no, no. It's like it's like Master Chef where they're just baking stuff. And this week is bread week, and the bread challenges. The three bread challenges. You've got to make your own. Your showman's your championship bake, your showstopper bake, and it is so warm and genteel. And they're all helping each other out, and they've all got to sit there and be judged by like this lovely old woman who you're pretty sure might be a queen of some other fantasy world realm, <laughs> and this very handsome older British dude who's like, but still got like the white hair, and he's a little too fat because he eats a lot of. Bacon goods all day but kind of like avuncularly warm and and paul hollywood is his name because of course it is um <laughs> but it is it is unlike every american reality show which is a tooth and nail and i'm gonna fight and win and whatever it's just we're all baking stuff man we're just happy to be baking we're stuff. just happy to be baking stuff and because it's british it's so just like it is the most i'm wearing a robe and slippers of a saturday afternoon possible I will have to check that out. I think you should. I think like, you know, the days where like, all right, if I can also like slip into a bath while watching the Great British (laughs) Baking Show, it's like serotonin just straight into your veins. Um, I don't even know why we started to, oh, soggy bottoms, soggy Soggy bottoms. bottoms. People are like pies. Um, (laughs) Yeah, we we just, 
Yeah, we just sort of skipped ahead, but um, but Lee got a ship. Lee got Lee got a ship. He, mm. Yes. Yeah, Lee gets promoted. He gets the big commander pips on his uh, little collar there, and he is now the commander of the Pegasus. Because yeah, nematism, but also, you know, did a good thing once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saved the ship once. Saved the ship. And we've got another argument with the Gemini's leader and Rosalind. Yes. Even though they Rosalind has outlawed abortion, she wants she wants my, the girl. Uh, the, what was her name? Um, Bria. Yes. Bria. I, yeah. I almost called her Maya, but that's from a different. Yes. We'll get to Maya. <laughs> we'll get to Maya. Um, the Maya. One of the first civilizations. Um, yes. But, um, uh, wanting the girl. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I wasn't sure, I wasn't sure in the beginning if the abortion had actually been performed or not. Yeah. I, think, I thought they were putting it sort of in um, on hold until they decided. But it, it actually was performed. And they, um, yeah. she wants to not have to go back to Gemini, right? Right. It's that, you know, the, the abortion was performed, um, or at least the process was begun before it was made illegal. Mm-hmm. So she kind of gets in under the wire there and she was granted asylum aboard Galactica. And that has pissed off the Gemini's delegation. And, uh, Rosalind is like, listen, you have your pound of flesh. I suggest, I suggest you, you take, take your, your victory, victory and move on. on. It's like, yes! <laughs> Give me the teeth, Rosalind! You I love him. that you have your pound of flesh. You have your pound of flesh. Um, I want to use that inside me sometimes. It's you funny. have your pound of flesh. Excuse me, ma'am, could you move your car? Move on. Like, <laughs> you have your pound of flesh. I suggest you take your parking spot and park in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll find a way. Yeah. People are going like, to look at me weird for the next month. What are you, what are you talking about? That's so biblical. I know, but it's cool, right? <laughs> but it's cool. I <laughs> use it over a parking spot. Seriously. The Bible. In LA, I mean, you get, oh, yeah. The scriptures are super crimson, so we're going for it. You have your bound of flesh, Mr. Waiter. Take your check and move on. <laughs> Yay. Um, and it ends with a really nice resolution between uh, between Lee and Kara. Yes. Kara. Very sweet. Phrase. You know, like she knows she fucked up, you know, not so much with how she conducted herself on Pegasus or even like shooting him in the chest, mm-hmm. but just in how sort of post her relationship with with anders and all that stuff she's uh she sort of abused their friendship yes for her own gains and her own means and uh and apollo you know letting it get to him as well that she's the type that always bucks authority and mm-hmm. gets away with it yeah and he can't do that himself yeah he does it once and he gets shot in the right. chest i mean he does it a few times and but he has a backup like you know when he went to a when he went against adama and Roslyn mm. with the elections needed to you know they needed to hold elections and all that but he always he always does the right thing of having a backup for it a reason totally. and he's in the right mm-hmm. as opposed you know what is what is by the book Yes. The right, where she's just a flab of the seat of your pants and it it yep. gets to him and he let it get to him too much. So he kind of admits that as well a bit. Yeah. She will happily jump off a cliff not knowing if there's water down there um, where he is absolutely done like radiological and surveys and like made sure that the depth is enough to sustain human impact and all of that stuff. And I can I can see how, you know, living with Wiley Coyote <laughs> might be a little bit challenging. Yes. Would wear on you. Um, and the last scene of this, I think it's the last scene. Yes. Woo. Um, it is also, uh, 
in, in case you have, like I have, looked online for a good gift to go with a tweet of a, of a nice, like, slow golf clap. I know, I, I wrote that down. I literally wrote it down. I was like, where is this on the last page of my notepad? I go, um, um, okay, so Balter has this great line of yeah. every time you take away one of our freedoms, you put us one step closer to being like them, mm-hmm. the Cylons. Um, in, like totally flabbergasting Rosalind by yep. undermining her here. But six clapping in the doorway. And I literally wrote, now I see where the gif I see used all <laughs> the time is. is from. I'm like, oh, that's where it's from. <laughs> there it is. Yay. Just this slow golf clap, yeah, right? Just, you did a good job, buddy. I hate your fucking guts. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think I could actually clap slower. No. But no. yes, I was <laughs> like, there it is. We found it, you guys. <laughs> Internet detective Kagi and Lacey has gotten to the bottom of another case. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, his his last speech is pretty great, um, where he declares that he is now running for president because he can't stand by as Laura Roslin strips freedoms and rights from the people that she claims to serve. Um, Even though he may have made the exact same decision. Totally. He just uses it to his advantage in... Yes. Yeah. And I love that he hijacks her own press conference. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no, you call the people here. I got a thing to say. Just don't mind me. I'm going to do some shit here. You're not going to like it. I'm going to totally steal your shine. But it's okay because my hallucinogenic girlfriend in the corner is going to golf clap for me and they're going to make goo goo eyes and everybody <laughs> wins except for you because you lose because I'm awesome. And I love that Rosalind literally just turns around and yep, walks just, away. She's like, fuck this. Nothing I can. Yep. Just. just <laughs> yep. He played me. Yes. He, he. Yeah. He played this. Uh, this moment. Yes. Fuck you. Fuck all of you. Fuck this. I'm out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> About face. Tori. Get the car. They've got that pound of flesh. I suggest they take their victory and move on. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'm going to be saying that for like a month now. <laughs> I'm going to be laying in bed like trying to think of a time I can use it like right totally when like you know like I get a robo call it's like asking me for stuff and I was like would you like to get Jimmy to the blah 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 you have your pound of flesh and take your victory and move on <laughs> I'm going to get all that Clint Eastwood with it too just take your victory and move on oh I can't wait to use it <laughs> I know when I would have used it. I would have used it about a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Instead, I just gave fucking cold bitch face to this person. Because mm. I couldn't. Reka Sharma and I, actually. The, the two is? <laughs> we're trying to come up with, with like, comebacks. Oh, nice. It was, I don't know if, you should, if I should even really say, but I was supposed to. I was supposed to have this amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And, um. I sent in a form, a medical form to be pre-screened right the week before. And I flew myself there, rented mm. a car, everything to go for this amazing experience flying in a jet. Yes. And um, the the doctor that was supposed to just make sure, do the last minute physical to make sure that, you know, I wasn't lying about, you know, having mm. a heart conditioner had come down with the flu or whatever mm. wasn't there. So they had the sister doctor not sister doctor but sister wife that's, that's a lifetime show yes, sister doctor um the uh the american um contingent like sister mm. cities or whatever right, right, right. okay um do it 
And he proceeded to lie to me the entire time and tell me how he would let me go up um, in the certain jet I was going to go up and he wouldn't let me go up in other ones because of the G-force on, on ejection and blah, 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 blah. And talked to, teaching me about how to do the breathing, if I'm going to pass out and all this kind of stuff, 45 minutes. And about how I should start hydrating that night and everything. So the next morning I'm doing yoga. I'm ready to like, you know, go to, to the air show and have this amazing like... And then I get the the word that I can't fly mm -hmm. because the Canadian doctor grounded me. And I went, what? What? And then I find out later on it was actually the American doctor that grounded me. Even though Double he what? told me he would let me go. And, and then at the end of the medical, he asked for a selfie because he was a fan of Battlestar. And so I think in retrospect, he just didn't want to disappoint me, even though. I would have been cleared by the other team because I already had mm -hmm. by the form the week earlier. Um, and he, I don't know why, but he was just lying to my face. And then so the next day he sought me out to come say, oh, I can't believe the Canadian doctor <laughs> grounded you when I knew that it was him. And I, I, I couldn't actually, Reka and I had come up with all these things <laughs> to say, all these comebacks. And none of them. I just, I just did not say a word. But that would be a perfect time. You have your pound of flesh. I suggest you take your victory and move on. I suggest you take your selfie and move on. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> now, if he's watching, I am so, yeah, I'm mad at you. Mm. But um, yeah, that would we'll have been a good moment. You. Dr. Spachemin. <laughs> I should not have told that story. If anybody hears this story, don't repeat it. Yeah, no. Uh, pretend it never happened. Pretend it never happened, yeah. Move along. But that would have been a good time to use that. Take your anecdote and move on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be fun. Ah, <laughs> right. uh, yes. You have your pound of flesh, officer. Now take your speeding ticket and move on. <laughs> I feel like that will go poorly. That will probably go poorly. <laughs> yeah. Not so much. Um, no. Okay. Okay. So. so all of you have to tweet us your experience of when you would yes. use that. Tell, tell us how you would deploy. You have your pound of flesh uh, line. Um, do you have a frack, a frack down? down? I do have a frack down. What's your frack down? We didn't actually. What's your frack down? <laughs> we didn't actually discuss it. Um, but I loved Doc Cottle mm -hmm. in the scene where um, earlier in the episode where they're discussing being, you know, that that mm. this Gemini's woman is there, and he, it, Rosalind is talking about it being, you know. Might have to do something about this, and and Doc, you can just see Doc Cottle steam coming out of his ears, and <laughs> and and he's the one that suggests political asylum. Yeah, like almost backs away. She should apply for political asylum, and she's like, "What now?" And you just see Rosalind just look at him like, "Fuck, you son of a bitch." Yeah, <laughs> and Doc Cottle's like, I just love, I love the back and forth of them because mm. I'm not, I didn't write it down, so I can't say exactly what was said, but y'all can watch it, and um. <laughs> It was, it just was his back and forth of a play, right? Like yeah. back and forth and, and he got her. Awesome. Um, my frack down was, you have your pound of flesh. <laughs> now take your victory and move on. <laughs> because it's so good. I, yes. do, I, I always love Rosalind just sort of coming over the top, laying the smack down on somebody. 
And that was that was deliciously over the top and smackdowny. That was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Smackdowny fresh. I liked it. Yeah. Both of the fractons involved Mary though. They did. They did. Because she's awesome. She's awesome. I mean, what are you gonna do? And, and she's gonna be amazing and she's playing uh, doing Gloria. Is she? Yes, um, playing. The, she's doing a, a theater production. The Cassavetes. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean the original is like Gina Rollins. Um, if I think of the right Gloria that I'm thinking of, but Gina Rollins was playing like a New York lady, kind of older. I think she might have used to have been a prostitute, but then had like a kid, and like they're like it's just she and this kid. But unless there's a different Gloria that she's doing on stage, which it's uh, it's about uh, she's playing Gloria Steinem. Totally different thing then. Yes. And it's that's like awesome. She's playing her in the first half of the and then I guess in the second half there's actually there's women mm. explaining their like from the audience explaining oh, things wow. or whatever. Um anyway, I will get the right information in. Well, but Mary's tweet tweeting it as well of all the information. Awesome. So if yeah. anybody on the East Coast or traveling to it can as well check you it should. out. And also watch John Cassavetti's Gloria, which is actually very good. <laughs> but something totally different. Um, but also a role that I could see Mary playing. So Yay! Yay! Yay for all things. Um, this episode of the Battlestar Galacticast was brought to you by Sci-Fi Wire and our amazing theme song by the great and wonderful wizard of music things, Bear McCreary. Bear McCreary. Bear McCreary. And, uh, and our audio uh, wonders that will never cease were <laughs> brought by <laughs> the man Alex Sarchet. Thank you, Alec! Um, who has survived the wilds of the Southern California hills to make it to us. Um, scratched but not hindered. Like like a like a good postman, <laughs> never <laughs> never strayed from his appointed yes. rounds. A little a little tow truck tow truck the tow truck action. Yes, but we are glad you made it. Indeed, um, and so that's it. And we will see you next week with a very fancy special guest. Mm-hmm. Indeed, to talk about downloaded, downloaded. Yes, which is all about um, my co-host Trisha Helfer. It's exciting. It's I'm super excited. exciting. You get to talk about Trisha for like an hour. And you get to say good things about me. Maybe. Or maybe bad things about me. <laughs> we'll see. We but you get to talk about me. We really do. Um, but that'll be next week's um, joy and wonderful frolic through the hinterlands of Battlestar Galactica. Mm-hmm. Um, so for that, we'd like to say thank you for stopping by and playing with us. I've been Mark Bernardin. And I've been Trisha Bye, you guys. Au revoir. Au revoir. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.